jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard soaring through the air! High flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in, welcome aboard. A Tuesday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio. 97.7 and 100.1. We're with you up until 2 o'clock. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte here on Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. Telephone number 288-0644 on the text line or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg 17 and at Stephen Fonte NC9. We got plenty to get to today. We'll have Lucas Favalli coming up at about 105 to talk about uh, the crunch weekend and, and what happened there with the Syracuse crunch. So we'll talk to Lucas coming up in a little bit. Um, we've got Tommy coming in later in the hour, uh, as he has been uh, recently with, with something that we need to name. Uh, still taking suggestions on that. Uh, but Steve, I want to start off with, with this Donovan McNabb story because, you know, we, we kind of let it go yesterday. We weren't really sure what to make of it. Um, and you get another day to look at it and you get another day to, you know, to to read it, and he responds to the response to some of his comments made over the weekend. Um, the Donovan McNabb story and comments that he made uh, over the weekend on CBS Sports Radio um, are kind of confusing to me. And, and just to read them in full, he said, quote, I think in the next two, three years, two years or so, he has to find a way to get out of the second round of the playoffs. What Nick Foles was able to do, take them to a Super Bowl, and then possibly take them back to the NFC Championship game, proves that, hey, some people can get into that offense and be very successful. Wentz hasn't been healthy. He hasn't really proven to me, besides the year he got hurt, when he was really an MVP candidate, he needs to get back to that moment. You know, I, I find those comments interesting and confusing, and it, I, I don't really understand them. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what your reaction is, because I, I really struggle to, to come up with something about those comments, because to me it just doesn't make sense to, to bash Carson Wentz for not winning the big game when he's gotten hurt. I believe that this is what happened, okay? I believe that Donovan McNabb was offering his opinion about the fact that Nick Foles was gone, and at the root of what he was trying to say was that with Foles gone and with Wentz having missed the end of the last two years and his health is a question mark, or has been a question mark, the Eagles might want to invest in a backup quarterback, might want to draft a quarterback this year or next, especially if he can't get out of the second round. I think at the root of it, he was saying, Foles is gone, Wentz has been banged up the last couple of years, and he hasn't led this team to the Super Bowl. Foles did. They might want to draft a quarterback. Don't go into the year with Nate Sudfeld. 
And that, that is a fair point. Okay, so I think I think he was offering up his analysis, and then he went down this this rabbit hole, and he couldn't get out of it. And a lot of what he said reflects back to his time with the Eagles and how his time ended. Right, one of his comments, he said, "Quote." I know at times, as players and fans, it can be confusing to move on from a beloved player, but due to the business of health and trust, tough decisions are usually made. Does that not describe Donovan McNabb's departure from the Eagles in 2010 when he was Uh, traded to the Redskins? Does it not also uh, describe Donovan McNabb's tenure with the Eagles when he says you have to get them out of the second round of the playoffs? Right, and so so much of this reflects back upon him. And I think, again, if he had just stopped and said... You know, Carson Wentz, it's a fact, has not made it through the end of the last two seasons. And his durability, his health is a question mark. The Eagles might be wise to draft a quarterback. If he had stopped there, I don't know as if we're thinking twice about this or saying that McNabb bashed Wentz. But then when he goes after, you know, the fact that he hasn't gotten him out of the second round and not only did he say that he's been banged up, he questioned his consistency as a quarterback um, you know, he he threw out his his record in playoff games. These things again reflect back on what McNabb did. So it, it stands to reason, like we can discuss why he made these comments. So I think there are a couple of reasons. Number one, maybe he wanted to protect his spot as being the best quarterback in franchise history. Like, let's not pass the torch just yet. Like, let's don't not, forget about me and what I did this, here for eleven. Let's years. Let's not crown this kid when he hasn't. Yeah, done. I did it things. for eleven years. This, this kid's done it for a couple. And oh, by the way, he's been banged up. He's been inconsistent, and it wasn't him. He didn't lead you to the Super he Bowl. He didn't win that. Nick for Foles you. did. So that could be one reason. There could be, you know, some jealousy slash bitterness for the way that that his tenure ended uh, with the Eagles. There, there could be some of that um, that he doesn't have warm and fuzzy feelings about the franchise anymore, based on what happened to him. That could be a reason. It, it could just be that he wants Wentz to be held to the same standard he was. I mean, he got crushed yep. for the fact that he went to four NFC title games and lost, right? He got crushed for it, yes. He got crushed for it. And that is his legacy. Much the same way, you know, Jim Kelly, Never when won you look the at Super his Bowl. playing career, it's he lost four straight Super Bowls. That has become his playing legacy. Now, everything that's happened since then, you know, people think of Jim Kelly differently and, and what he's meant to that community and his battles with cancer and so on and of so course. forth. But McNabb had that as his legacy. Four NFC title games that he didn't win, throwing up in the Super Bowl the one time he did get there. And then after that, some of the stuff that went on at Fox, uh, certainly the DWI, so on and so forth. Like he's he's had some he's had some right. major issues since he since he left uh, you know, his his playing days behind. So it could just be that that he wants Wentz to be held to the same standard as a player. And isn't that and, and look, is isn't that fair? I mean, isn't it fair to say we should compare people the same way? I mean, if if you have somebody in, in this situation, I mean, Donovan McNabb, you know, we mentioned he got crushed and killed for getting to four championship games but never getting to the Super Bowl before he finally did. Uh, getting to four championship games is, is pretty remarkable. You know, the same way that getting to the Super Bowl four years in a row is pretty incredible to actually pull that off. You know, getting to the NFC Championship game four times in, in what, a five- or six-year span is really difficult to do. 
And so I, I, I feel like it's fair for him to say, hey, hold this guy to the same standard you held me. You know, he's not the one who won that Super Bowl for you. That was Nick Foles. Yeah, he put you in position to win it, but he didn't win it. And, and I, I feel like that's fair because, you know, if, if Donovan McNabb had those two playoff exits or got hurt late in the season twice as, as his team then went on a run, you know, went further this year than they probably should have with Nick Foles, if, he, if his team did that, right, if, if – uh, AJ Feely or whoever his backup quarterback was at the time went on a run. Like, yeah, yeah, well, he he would have gotten killed for it. It's funny you should say that because I I looked up, you know, as you said that you were planning to start with this today, uh, this McNabb story. I looked up the day that he was traded, and I looked up uh, the the ESPN story. Okay, uh, and I I need to read you this line, and I I just lost it because my. Story uh, refreshed here. Give me two seconds to find it. Here it is. Okay. This is from the ESPN article that day of him being traded. His failure to lead the team to its first NFL championship game since 1960, plus the emergence of Kevin Cobb, made him <laughs> expendable. That is that is a direct quote from the story. And then it goes on to say how Cobb started three games over the course of two seasons, right, and right. McNabb struggled at the end of the you know the previous campaign, and so on and so forth. And so it was Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick. I mean, that was that was who they were going to battle with, and McNabb was well, the expendable and, one. And and not just Michael Vick, Michael Vick, like sixteen months out of prison, right. Michael Vick. You know this this was not even a year down the road when you knew he could play football again. This was like, ah, let's see what happens. Who knows? But the emergence of Kevin Cobb made. Donovan McNabb, uh, expendable. I, like, could you imagine? Could you imagine how much you would have heard about Donovan McNabb had he had the same thing happened to him that happened to Carson Wentz? Like, he gets hurt and Jeff Garcia comes in and leads them to a Super Bowl, or Vince Young came in and lead them to and led them to a Super Bowl. And I, I know Vince Young was a little later in the backup quarterback, <laughs> you know, hierarchy after I think he was with Vic. But could you imagine what the stories would have been had had like Jeff Garcia or AJ Feely or, or one of those quarterbacks led them to a Super Bowl? I, I think that again at the root of this, the comment that that he made or the point he was trying to make. It's it's not all that scandalous, but the the fact of the matter is that you're talking about Carson Wentz, who is held in high regard right now with the Philly fans, and you're talking about Donovan McNabb, whose relationship with that fan base very much went south, right? And his time is over, and his relationship not only went south right after he was traded, but then obviously some things have happened since his playing days were over, and he's not held in high regard in Philly anymore. So it, it's kind of like... The Philly fan base and obviously the current players there went to the defense of Carson Wentz, well, as you the would current, expect. And the would. current players should, right? And the fans should happen. The fans naturally are going to the defense of Carson Wentz. He's their quarterback. He's the guy they love right now. And McNabb has fallen out of favor with them. And so that's why I think, as I kind of look at this, that's why I think it turned into such a big deal. That the points McNabb, I believe. The points he was trying, trying to, to make, make, I think, are are fair points. He's saying that, you know, you're being evaluated every day and you always have to look over your shoulder because if you're not getting the job done, the franchise will find somebody who will. And again, he speaks from experience because that happened to him. Kevin Cobb started to emerge and he all of a sudden became expendable because he stumbled down the stretch of the previous season. So he speaks from experience. The fact that, you know what? Nick Foles isn't there anymore. They might want to draft a quarterback because Wentz <laughs> has gotten reasonable. Again, that's, you know, we saw with Eric Dungy, right? I mean, Dungy went three years where he did not play a game in November. 
Right? And so it was important to have a backup quarterback. So, again, what he is saying is not untrue. It's just the fact that the words are coming out of his mouth. That's, I think, what makes this such a thing. Because if, you know, if Ron Jaworski had said this, would it have been as big of a deal? Probably not. Probably. I think we do know. I think it's because because McNabb said it. And a lot of what he is saying, you could say about him. Right? And And it comes across as sour grapes. Yes, it does. It, a lot of it does. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say that it doesn't come across as, as sour grapes. Um, I, I fell down the rabbit hole. Uh, Mike McMahon, Coy Detmer. <laughs> I mean, man, some of those backup quarterbacks. Just you know, random stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like you know, to to your point, if the the underlying idea isn't bad. Right, it's it's not this terrible idea or this terrible take. The the way he said it, it came off as Carson Wentz isn't like it, a, Carson Wentz is on the hot seat almost, and and like that's not true. Like if I'll give you an example, like what if Dan Marino had said that about Carson Wentz? Would anybody care, Dan Marino's Boomer opinion? Played, not an eagle. Fine. Um, no, but what if Brett Favre said it? Well, that's a bad example. If Brett Favre said it about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers, everybody would bad example. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if Phil Simms came out and said it about Eli Manning, hey, time to time to go. Yeah, that's a good example. Do you think that there would be a beef between Phil Simms and Eli Manning? Um, probably not. Phil Simms held in high regard. Yeah, exactly. And, and and what he's trying to say, we all believe it, right? I mean, people still think fondly of Phil Simms. Eli, may, maybe, you know, he's he's not thought of by the fan base the way that he once was. I think this is, some of this, the reason that it is such a, a thing, and the reason we're talking about it, is that everybody loves Carson Wentz right now, and not everybody loves Donovan McNabb. But based on Fair. what he was trying to say... I, I mean, can we agree with what he was trying to say? He was saying that they might want to invest in a backup quarterback for Wentz. Yeah, I, I they should. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a bad thing to say. I don't believe they should go into the season with Nate Sudfeld as their backup quarterback. That's and and again, probably not a good idea. He says, you know, sometimes people don't understand. It's a business, and sometimes the franchises have to make very difficult decisions about star players, Hall of Fame players, iconic players. You know, and again, that goes back to him, and that's it why does. it comes across as sour grapes. But if anybody else said it, it would be like, yeah, okay, that that makes sense, right? You know, we we, we but because of, but because of his career and the ending of his career in Philadelphia, it comes off differently. Yes, so I think it's just because the words are coming out of his mouth. I think this turned into something. If they came out of the mouth of of anyone else, I, I don't I don't know as if we're talking about this. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. Uh, I think we might be hearing from Donovan McNabb later in the week. Uh, we will uh, let you know. That's as, a good tease. As that, uh, as that, uh, we'll let you know as that moves along. Uh, but we're coming back here on Orange Nation next. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Today's business is brought to you by Grossman St. Amour CPAs, as it is every day. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte, we bring in Tommy Hogan. Tommy, what do you have? You guys mentioned that Yankee game last night. When Clint Frazier rolled his ankle, I thought it happened again. I, I, yeah, I thought he was leaving the game. I couldn't believe it. Another, another, the best player on the team again 
going down. It would have been nuts if, if they had another injury like that to the team. But I want to get started with some NBA. And uh, yesterday, the Suns, they fired their head coach, Igor Kokoskov. Uh, and according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Suns have their eye on Sixers assistant Monty Williams, who's also been in discussions with the Lakers for their head coaching job. So I want to ask you guys, what what's the better head coaching job, the Suns or the Lakers? And I, and I don't... I don't think it's as obvious as you might think. Like, the Lakers' job with LeBron James, you think that? I think there's a case for the Suns. I really do. Well, make your case then, because to well, me Well, see, I was going to say the same thing. I think that there is a case to be made for the Suns. Make your case. I think that, I think that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are, are interesting young pieces. Uh, you're going to have likely a top five pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, the team is incredibly young with no point guards. If you can maybe fix that, you probably have a role. Um, There's a really the good problem, one that's probably going to go top now, three. Now, the problem is, and, and I'm, I'm not going to deny this, you have one of the worst owners in basketball. Uh, he is somebody who just fired a coach after one year after taking the wrong person number one overall. You you hired uh, Igor Sokokov. Kokoskov. Tough name it is. You hire him, who was Luka Doncic's uh, national team coach, and then don't draft Luka Doncic. You know, it, it, you just kind of made the wrong hire for the wrong pick. Um, like, I, I think that they have problems. I think that, that, that they are an interesting situation because of some of their players, but they've got a lot of issues. Uh, you know, <laughs> they've got a lot of issues there as well. Um, you're kind of, I mean, look, you're picking from two bad situations right now. Are you saying a better job in terms of what? In terms of staying employed or in terms of winning? You're a head coach, on, or you're someone, you're a head coaching candidate in the NBA. Which job would you if you have them both on, on on the table for you? Which one are you picking? I I, I think it's a no brainer. I, I think you're picking I mean, the you're Lakers. Taking, you're taking you're, the you're Lakers. You're taking job. LeBron. You're taking the Lakers organization and tradition, and you're taking the fact that it's going to be very easy to recruit free agents to that situation. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the case with the Suns. And and I I get the point that you know you've got a good young nucleus there. I get that, but you've got. LeBron, you've got a lot of money to spend. If not the Warriors, right? If you look at the West in the next four or five years, if not the Warriors, if they break up or for whatever reason, you know, things go south for them, who's the next most likely franchise to emerge out West? Is it, I mean, and if you're comparing those, know. is it the Suns or the Lakers? You, the Lakers have a much better chance. The Lakers have chance. a better chance. Much better I, chance. But again, you know, I, I mentioned the negatives for the for the the Suns, and there are negatives for the Lakers. I, I mean, LeBron is getting older. LeBron is, uh, what, 34, going to be 35 next December. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know that you're sold that any of those other players are going to be really good. You know, are any, are any of the other players on the Lakers right now future All-Stars? But but again, the, a better the, young core. Than but the again, the roster that they have now. This was the, the the plan was never to put together a roster this year that was going to be the roster moving forward. This was kind of the holdover year, and then they're going to try to cash in in free agency. They're going to try to recruit talent there. The the roster next year for the Lakers is going to look a lot different than the roster does right now. Well, yeah, because they have a lot of guys on one year deals, yeah. and, and that was the whole point. But it, but right. so but, you're, but, you're not no, coaching but, this year's team. No, you're and, coaching and, next year's team. But but the young guys and and like Rondo's not going to be there, and Caldwell Pope's not. Not going to be but there, you know what, and Seth, Tyson Chandler's not going to be there. But how, but Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo we Ball, Brandon Ingram, are, are those guys? Josh Hart, like are, are those guys really good? Here, let me speak. pieces. Sure, do, go do, you, do you remember when we were talking up 
the the Minnesota Timberwolves and how you know young and athletic and they were so excited. There are a lot of teams that have young pieces that just never evolve into what they think they should be or what we think they should right. be. The fact that you have LeBron and money to spend and the Lakers name behind it, they're going to be a major player next year. I, again, I'm, I, I don't, I, I can't predict what they're going to be because. You know, we don't know what the roster is going to look like, so I, I'm not going to predict. You know, they're going to be the second best team in the West, or so on and so forth. They're going to be a major player next year. Do you feel confident saying the Suns are going to be a major no. player next year? No, I don't. Right. So if you're a coach and you're looking at the two jobs, to oh, me, look, I'm taking a, the Laker job. No, I know, but you're both saying that it's it's a, diff- a difficult decision. I don't think it's a difficult decision at all. Which foundation is built better for the long term, the Lakers or the Suns? You're saying because LeBron has X amount of years left. LeBron has X amount of years left, and the guys that do have or that are built for the long term are likely to get traded this offseason for Anthony Davis. So then your your foundation becomes a three or four year plan with those guys, right? But if you're a head coach, don't you take that? I mean, don't you take being really good for three or four years, and then yes. you'll just kind of figure things out from yes, there? You do. I mean, everybody thinks Steve Kerr is an amazing head coach, and, and I, I like him a lot, right? But he he had a lot of success. He's had a lot of help having a lot of success. Mark Jackson kind of put that, you know, I don't want to say put the team together. He wasn't the GM, but Mark Jackson had a hand in getting the Warriors to where they are now. He fell out of favor with the organization. They bring in Steve Kerr. He, he was gift-wrapped this unbelievable situation and he won and now everybody looks at Steve Kerr as he's an amazing head coach so once the Warriors you know everything goes in cycles once the Warriors situation falls apart Steve Kerr can go anywhere he wants right and so if you're a head coach and you go to the Lakers and you have four years of success and LeBron and Anthony Davis they're gonna be a big part of that success but you know they move on to other things you're gonna be looked at as man this guy can win in the NBA John Morant Devin Booker and DeAndre would look really good. It would, but there's no guarantee that's they'll re- be. There's no guarantee they'll be good. That's no. a really good look. No, you like well, it on paper, but like you said, there's no guarantee. Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. I mean, on paper, that looks phenomenal. Sure. It never happened. It never flourished to where to what we thought it should be. Seth also mentioned the Suns' front office woes. The Lakers are going through that too. They have some dysfunction in their front office. That's fair. Yes, uh, but they're. And and here's where and here's where they got, you rid, get of some, they got rid of some of their dysfunction though. Right, mm-hmm. they did. So let's uh, like let's see what they do with with you know filling that. You know, you've seen uh, I've seen I don't, I don't know about you guys. I've seen a lot of rumors and and thought that Bob Myers, who's running the Warriors right now, could could take the trip down California and, and go run the Lakers. Um, if they can manage to pull that off, that's a coup, right? Does like, that make much sense? Like, why would he? That doesn't make much sense. Why maybe would he maybe he sees that this thing is kind of sort of coming to an end. He likes what he built and he wants a new challenge. I mean, it's it's not unheard of. It's it's not insane. Um, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But it's not insane to think like, hey, he sees Kevin Durant leaving and Draymond kind of falling apart, and maybe Clay is out, like, and saying, okay, like let's let's see what we can do. Um, but like, if if they make a change, like let's see what the Lakers do before saying, hey, their front office is a mess. Like they could bring somebody in who's really good, whether it's Bob Myers or Sam Presti from Oklahoma City or somebody else. Things change very quickly in the NBA, or can change very quickly in the NBA. It's not like you need. It's not like you're rebuilding a, a football franchise. You've already got LeBron in place. You know some help is on the way. I, I think the Lakers. I, I feel very confident. Let's put it this way: you, we played a percentage game earlier. I feel very confident that the Lakers are going to be a major player next year. I, I think there's a very good chance they'll be a top four seed next year. And I, I can't say the same thing about the Suns. The Suns are definitely the higher risk job. 
But also, you could keep that job for ten to fifteen years. No, you if can't. You, if, if you were to build something that has the better, but you're not success of building in all something. Like, but in all likelihood, you're not given time to build something. Uh, they fired. They fired this coach after one year. They fired their last coach after a year and three games. They fired their coach before that after two and a half seasons. This and and this is the root of the problem. Why do bad teams stay bad? Why do bad teams stay bad? Because somebody meddles. Because you don't give their coaches enough time. They they fired Kokosov after one season. They fired Earl Watson after one season and three games. They fired Jeff Hornacek halfway through his third season. They fired Alvin Gentry, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the season before that. They're like you, you just you. It doesn't. You can't do anything when you're when you continually are changing over your coaches. Um, you know, Devin Booker. We talk about him. He's going to be on his fifth head coach in five years. Like what? What is he supposed to be able to do? And and so you you just can't you you can't do much with that. It's a new front office there. So you, the reason they fired him is because they wanted to get their own head coach. So you would okay, have but, to. But, I know it's a risk, but you'd have to hope that this new wh- front office is changing. And, and why is it a new front office? Because the owner fired the GM after three seasons. Like you, it it all comes back to that. They have one of, if not the worst ownership situation in basketball. And that's saying a lot because James Dolan is pretty bad. But they have one of the worst ownership situations in basketball. And, and you know, if you're meddling and firing a GM after three seasons and firing your coaches every two and a half or three years, it, it's not going to work. And, and so, yeah, sure, they could hire Monty Williams and he could hold that job for 10 years or he could hold it for 10 months. I'm going to make this very easy for you, Tommy. You, you said, which job would I pick? I'm picking the one that has LeBron, pays more money, and has a, a chance to win quicker. And and all of those yeah. things describe the Lakers. And I wouldn't fault you for it, but I think the Suns, I, I think it's a more attractive job than, than people think. And I think it is a lot closer to the Lakers. If you were to, if you had both on the table, I think it's a lot closer than people would think. I, I think that I would a take, really good young foundation. I would foundation. take the Lakers job. But yeah, I mean, it's less risky to go and, and partner up with LeBron James for the next three years, for sure. Absolutely. You call me a front runner. A little bit, yeah. Okay. A little bit. Fair enough. Um, I do more. I do yeah. root for the Bills, though. You know that. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. What, what else you got? In there. He's not like a Colts and hey, <laughs> Yankees. Colts and Yankees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Colts front running. Come on. <laughs> Kidding. Um. So the Celtics, they swept the Pacers. Looked pretty good doing it. And the Bucks, they swept the Pistons. No surprise there. They they blew them out basically in all four games. So now the Celtics and the Bucks are going to be paired together in the second round. Steve thought the Eastern Conference playoffs weren't going to be very good. That's going to be a good series. How, how do you guys feel about this series? I'm kind of going back and forth on it uh, because I think the Bucks are really, really good, and the Celtics looked really good. But are the Pistons are, are the Pacers any good? I don't think so. Like, I don't, they're not I don't think seed. they are. No, no. And, because they did so much work with Oladipo in the lineup, and yep. then they kind of fell, and, and they, they, they settled well to the five. Season. But you need that star but they come settled to the time. Right, and they settled to the five seed once they lost Oladipo yeah. and were really without him. So are they really that good? I'm not sure. Um, so what are we, I mean, what are we going to see out of this? Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Today's business is brought to you by Grossman St. Amour CPAs, as it is every day. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte, we bring in Tommy Hogan. Tommy, what do you have? You guys mentioned that Yankee game last night. When Clint Frazier rolled his ankle, I thought it happened again. I, I, yeah, I thought he was leaving the game. I couldn't believe it. Another, another, the best player on the team again going down. It would have been nuts if, if they had another injury like that to the team, but... I want to get started with some NBA, and uh, yesterday, the Suns, they fired their head coach, Igor Kokoskov, 
Uh, and according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Suns have their eye on Sixers assistant Monty Williams, who's also been in discussions with the Lakers for their head coaching job. So I want to ask you guys, what what's the better head coaching job, the Suns or the Lakers? And I and I don't I don't think it's as obvious as you might think. Like the Lakers job with LeBron James, you think that? I think there's a case for the Suns. I really do. Well, make your case then because to well, me Well, see, I was going to say the same thing. I think that there is a case to be made for the Suns. Make your case. I think that I think that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are, are interesting young pieces. Uh, you're going to have likely a top five pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, the team is incredibly young with no point guards. If you can maybe fix that, you probably have a role. Um, There's a really the good problem, one that's probably going to go top now, three. Now the problem is, and, and I'm, I'm not going to deny, deny this, you have one of the worst owners in basketball. Uh, he is somebody who just fired a coach after one year after taking the wrong person number one overall. You you hired uh, Igor Sokokov. Kokoskov. Tough name it is. You hire him, who was Luka Doncic's national team coach, and then don't draft Luka Doncic. You know, you just kind of made the wrong hire for the wrong pick. Like I think that they have problems. I think that that they are an interesting situation because of some of their players, but they've got a lot of issues. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of issues there as well. Um, you're kind of. I mean, look, you're picking from two bad situations right now. Are you saying a better job in terms of what? In terms of staying employed or in terms of winning? You're a head coach, on, or you're someone. You're a head coaching candidate in the NBA. Which job would you prefer? If you have them both on, on on the table for you, which one are you picking? I I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I think you're picking I mean, the you're Lakers. Taking, you're taking you're, the you're Lakers taking job. LeBron, you're taking the Lakers organization and tradition, and you're taking the fact that it's going to be very easy to recruit free agents to that situation. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the case with the Suns. And and I, I get the point that you know, you've got a good young nucleus there. I get that. But you've got... LeBron, you've got a lot of money to spend. If not the Warriors, right? If you look at the West in the next four or five years, if not the Warriors, if they break up or for whatever reason, you know, things go south for them, who's the next most likely franchise to emerge out West? Is it? I mean, and if you're comparing those, know. is it the Suns or the Lakers? You, the Lakers have a much the Lakers better have chance. A better chance. Much better but, chance. But again, you know, I, I mentioned the negatives for the for the the Suns, and there are negatives for the Lakers. I, I mean, LeBron is getting older. LeBron is uh, what thirty four, going to be thirty five next December. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know that you're sold that any of those other players are going to be really good. You know, are any are any of the other players on the Lakers right now future all stars? But but the again, the, a better the, young core. Than but the again, the roster that they have now. This was the, the the plan was never to put together a roster this year that was going to be the roster moving forward. This was kind of the holdover year, and then they're going to try to cash in in free agency. They're going to try to recruit talent. There. The the roster next year for the Lakers is going to look a lot different than the roster does right now. Well, yeah, because they have a lot of guys on one year deals, yeah. and, and that was the whole point. But, it, but right, so but, you're, but, you're not no, coaching but, this year's team. No, you're coaching and, next and, year's team. But but the young guys and and like Rondo's not going to be there, and Caldwell Pope's not. Going to be but there, you know what, and Tyson Seth, Chandler's not going to be there. But how, but Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo we Ball, Brandon Ingram, are, are those guys? Josh Hart, like are, are those guys really good? Let me speak. Pieces. Sure, do, go do, you, do you remember when we were talking up the the Minnesota Timberwolves and how you know young and athletic and they were so excited? There are a lot of teams that have young pieces that just never evolve into what they think they should be or what we think they should right. be. 
The fact that you have LeBron and money to spend and the Lakers' name behind it, they're going to be a major player next year. I, again, I'm, I, I don't, I, I can't predict what they're going to be because. You know, we don't know what the roster is going to look like, so I, I'm not going to predict. You know, they're going to be the second best team in the West, or so on and so forth. They're going to be a major player next year. Do you feel confident saying the Suns are going to be a major no. player next year? No, I don't. Right. So if you're a coach and you're looking at the two jobs, to oh, me, look, I'm taking a, the Laker job. No, I know, but you're both saying that it's it's a, diff- a difficult decision. I don't think it's a difficult decision at all. Which foundation is built better for the long term, the Lakers or the Suns? You're saying because LeBron has X amount of years left. LeBron has X amount of years left, and the guys that do have or that are built for the long term are likely to get traded this offseason for Anthony Davis. So then your your foundation becomes a three or four year plan with those guys, right? But if you're a head coach, don't you take that? I mean, don't you take being really good for three or four years, and then yes. you'll just kind of figure things out from yes, there? Yes, you do. I mean, everybody thinks Steve Kerr is an amazing head coach, and, and I, I like him a lot, right? But he he had a lot of success. He's had a lot of help having a lot of success. Mark Jackson kind of put that, you know, I don't want to say put the team together. He wasn't the GM, but Mark Jackson had a hand in getting the Warriors to where they are now. He fell out of favor with the organization. They bring in Steve Kerr. He, he was gift-wrapped this unbelievable situation and he won and now everybody looks at Steve Kerr as he's an amazing head coach so once the Warriors you know everything goes in cycles once the Warriors situation falls apart Steve Kerr can go anywhere he wants right and so if you're a head coach and you go to the Lakers and you have four years of success and LeBron and Anthony Davis they're gonna be a big part of that success but you know they move on to other things you're gonna be looked at as man this guy can win in the NBA John Morant Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton would look really good. It would, but there's no guarantee that's they'll re- be. There's no guarantee they'll be good. That's no. a really good. Long- no, you like well, it on paper, but like you said, there's no guarantee. Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. I, I mean, on paper, that looks phenomenal. Sure. N- it never happened. It never flourished to where to what we thought it should be. Seth also mentioned the Suns front office woes. The Lakers are going through that too. They have some dysfunction in their front office. That's fair. Yes, uh, but they're. And and here's where and here's where they got, you rid, get of some, they got rid of some of their dysfunction though. Right, mm-hmm. they did. So let's uh, like let's see what they do with with you know filling that. You know, you've seen uh, I've seen I don't know about you guys. I've seen a lot of rumors and and thought that Bob Myers, who's running the Warriors right now, could could take the trip down California and, and go run the Lakers. Um, if they can manage to pull that off, that's a coup, right? Does like, that make much and, sense? Like, why would he? That doesn't make much sense. Why maybe, would he maybe he sees that this thing is kind of sort of coming to an end. He likes what he built and he wants a new challenge. I mean, it's it's not unheard of. It's it's not insane. Um, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But it's not insane to think like, hey, he sees Kevin Durant leaving and Draymond kind of falling apart, and maybe Clay is out, like, and saying, okay, like let's let's see what we can do. Um, but like, if if they make a change, like let's see what the Lakers do before saying, hey, their front office is a mess. Like they could bring somebody in who's really good, whether it's Bob Myers or Sam Presti from Oklahoma City or somebody else. Things change very quickly in the NBA, or can change very quickly in the NBA. It's not like you need. It's not like you're rebuilding a, a football franchise. You've already got LeBron in place. You know some help is on the way. I, I think the Lakers. I, I feel very confident. Let's put it this way: you, we played a percentage game earlier. I feel very confident that the Lakers are going to be a major player next year. I, I think there's a very good chance they'll be a top four seed next year. And I I can't say the same thing about the Suns. The Suns are definitely the higher risk job. 
But also, you could keep that job for ten to fifteen years. No, you if can't. You, if, if you were to build something that has the better, but you're not success but, of but building in all something. Like, but in all likelihood, you're not given time to build something. Uh, they fired. They fired this coach after one year. They fired their last coach after a year and three games. They fired their coach before that after two and a half seasons. This and and this is the root of the problem. Why do bad teams stay bad? Why do bad teams stay bad? Because somebody meddles. Because you don't give their coaches enough time. They they fired Kokosov after one season. They fired Earl Watson after one season and three games. They fired Jeff Hornacek halfway through his third season. They fired Alvin Gentry, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the season before that. They're like you, you just you. It, it doesn't. You can't do anything when you when you continually are changing over your coaches. Um, you know, Devin Booker. We talk about him. He's going to be on his fifth head coach in five years. Like what? What is he supposed to be able to do? And and so you you just can't you you can't do much with that. It's a new front office there. So you, the reason they fired him is because they wanted to get their own head coach. So you would okay, have but, to. But, I know it's a risk, but you'd have to hope that this new wh- front office is changing. And, and why is it a new front office? Because the owner fired the GM after three seasons. Like you. It, it all comes back to that. They have one of, if not the worst ownership situation in basketball. And that's saying a lot because James Dolan is pretty bad. But they have one of the worst ownership situations in basketball. And, and you know, if you're meddling and firing a GM after three seasons and firing your coaches every two and a half or three years, it, it's not going to work. And, and so, yeah, sure, they could hire Monty Williams and he could hold that job for 10 years or he could hold it for 10 months. I'm going to make this very easy for you, Tommy. You, you said, which job would I pick? I'm picking the one that has LeBron, pays more money, and has a, a chance to win quicker. And and all of those yeah. things describe the Lakers. And I want to fault you for it, but I think the Suns, I, I think it's a more attractive job than, than people think. And I think it is a lot closer to the Lakers. If you were to, if you had both on the table, I think it's a lot closer than people would think. I, I think that I would a take, really good young foundation. I would foundation. take the Lakers job. But yeah, I mean, it's less risky to go and, and partner up with LeBron James for the next three years, for sure. Absolutely. You're calling me a front runner. A little bit, yeah. Okay. A little bit. Fair enough. Um, we got I do one more. I do yeah. root for the Bills, though. You know that. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. What, what else you got? There. He's not like a Colts and hey, <laughs> something Yankees. Else and, Colts and Yankees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Colts front running. Come on. <laughs> Kidding. Um. So the Celtics, they swept the Pacers. Looked pretty good doing it. And the Bucks, they swept the Pistons. No surprise there. They they blew them out basically in all four games. So now the Celtics and the Bucks are going to be paired together in the second round. Steve thought the Eastern Conference playoffs weren't going to be very good. That's going to be a good series. How, how do you guys feel about this series? I'm kind of going back and forth on it uh, because I think the Bucks are really, really good, and the Celtics looked really good. But are the Pistons, are, are the Pacers any good? I don't think so. Like, I don't, they're not I don't think seat. they are. No, no. And, because they did so much work with Oladipo in the lineup, and yep. then they kind of fell and and they, they, they settled well to the five the season. But you need that. Star but they settled to the time. right, and they settled to the five seed once they lost Oladipo. Yeah, and we're really without him. So are they really that good? I'm not sure. Um, so what are we? I mean, what are we going to see out of this team in the next round? Have they actually found something, or did they play a team that they could just overmatch? Um, I think that that's the real question. If they found something, if they figured something out, and Marcus Smart was out, so maybe the rotation got shrunk uh, shrunk down a little bit, awesome. That's fantastic, and it could be a great series. If not, well, then the Bucks will just run through them and, and they'll go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I really offended you with that comment about the Eastern Conference. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. I kept it in the back of my head. Yeah, why yeah. do you take I've that personally, though? For this, for coming why up. do you take that personally? Because I just think it was wrong. He I, takes I everything it... personally. <laughs> Just like I'm taking uh, this series personally because I really want the Bucks to win because I've had enough of the Boston sports. 
So I'm right. taking this series. But I'm, a, I'm a Bucks fan for the next two weeks. You you are like you get fully invested even in games that you shouldn't care about. 100%. And I, I I respect that about 100%. you. Like, you get too invested. I do. No, no that's absolutely. that's good. I I can I respect that about you. My hatred in sports is too strong. I hate Boston sports you, too much. I feel like you hate teams more than you like teams. There's an argument to be. I can't. Yeah, like I, there's I an think, argument there. I think you like to hate teams more than you like to like. I your think it's teams. a huge part of sports, and I don't. I think you have to. I think. Yeah, I guess it's a huge part of sports. I think it's fun hating teams, and I've got my teams that I hate, and I won't watch them in in big games because I I get too fired up if they win. Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics. NBA I don't really you care claimed, about because it's Boston. You yeah. claimed okay. you didn't the Warriors, watch the Super Bowl this year, which I still don't really believe. The one drive of the entire Super Bowl I watched happened to be the Patriots touchdown. Good time touchdown to tune in. No, it was a horrible time to tune in. It was the worst well, time to tune in. For this show, it was a good time to tune in. You had, to, had to know what happened. I would have known what happened, but I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want my own two eyes to see You what knew happened. what was going to happen before you exactly. even watched it. That's why it. I didn't watch. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the pl- Patriots playoff games. I didn't watch the AFC Championship against the Chiefs. I, I guess it was a good game. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I cannot watch the Patriots. I've had enough of them. I had enough of Boston. The one at bat, the entire World Series I watched was the Max Muncie home run <laughs> in the 18th was. inning. I was up was. at 3 o'clock. I was like, you know what? I'll turn it on. He had a home run. Actually, I did end up watching the next game because I thought it was a good luck charm that didn't pay off. I was hoping I was the good luck charm for the Dodgers, but I don't I, believe you. Swear to God, I mean, I don't have I, any proof, but no, you don't. Tommy's I, so invested I, in I everything. I love. I it. know that I. That's exactly what I did. So, and you know what? It carries over into this segment. Like you are fully invested in today's business, invested. and that's why you know that's why we're using you a little bit more Thank now in, uh, in the first hour. <laughs> Completely as well. invested. We appreciate your passion. It's because I like it. It's not because I hate it. Fair enough. <laughs> today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services. Visit gsacpas.com. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the show next on Orange Nation.